0: Welcome to another episode of Speaking Culturally. My name is Andre Taylor, and today we're here with Kamal Bell, uh, president and founder of Sankofa Farms here in North Carolina. Uh, welcome to the show, Kamal. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Definitely. Uh, I would like, I, I want to start with um, a little bio of you. Why, so why don't you tell people who you are. Um, I can go ahead and say that you are a two-time North Carolina a graduate, And you're also in the PhD program here at uh, North Carolina State. So tell people more about who Kamal is. All right. Thank you for that brief introduction. Um, I'm from
1: Durham, North Carolina. Uh, As I grew up in the city, I just noticed that as I got older, there was a, a resource divide between my city and my population, and then as I went out and got more experiences and went to private school. I so saw it was a resource, a resource divide. And I really wanted to, when I got to college, I really wanted to lessen that divide or do something more for my people. So generations after me and presently don't have to be in a space where we don't have access to resources that we need to develop our community. So with, with that in mind, I created Sankofa Farms in 2016 which uses the uh, West African term San Kofa, and, and it means to embody and remember your ancestry as you move forward in life. So in that, I really thought about agriculture, since, since that's something that we've gotten away from, and rightfully so because of systemic racism and a lot of um, a negative association with the land, from what we've been told as well and experience. A lot of us got away from farming and i wanted to get a grasp grasp of our ancestry to build a farm incorporate african-american males and have them be a part of that process as well to
0: to show them more and that's
1: what we've been doing since 2016 at sencoba farms
0: now it's interesting enough i i've known you for a couple of years now and you didn't have a farming background before all of this so what not having a background in farming, what makes this so special to you? And you could have gone any other route and you chose farming. Mm-hmm. So explain the whole attraction to farming for you. Really, my attraction to farming
1: I think it was just in me as I, I can recall stories when I was younger of trying to pick up honeybees and trying to pick up bumblebees and catching salamanders and seeing beavers. I just always had a affinity for nature. So farming just bridged everything that I love to do. I like, I like playing sports, like running track. Basketball and indoor sports were fun, but I love football and track, just being outdoors. And it just brought all of my interests together. And that really pushed me a seg- and, and, and was a segue for me to embrace agriculture. But for me to find farming, I was reading a, uh, a book by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, The message to the black man in America And he really just stressed doing something for your people So as I researched more I saw Booker T. Washington said it W.E.D. Du Bois said it Um, Just so many of our leaders And I don't want to just use all men But that's who I primarily study So I just saw that it was a reoccurring theme So I'm just like, right, you know what Let me go into agriculture And use that
0: as a vessel to do something for our people Now, doing something for your people uh, your farm is is a haven for young inner-city males. Uh, and you're using this opportunity to teach them about their history, about their cultural heritage through farming. So tell me about the program that you have uh, with with the young males and, uh, at the farm.
1: So Sankovo Farms Agricultural Academy is the actual name. But a lot of people who research the farm, they'll see that is directly tied to education. And one thing that we have... Our Well, the thing that we have our roots in is an African tradition. So a lot of the crops that we grow on the farm are indigenous to Africa. A lot of the practices we try to use with sustainable agriculture and cover cropping. Those practices have a really deep history with living in the living with the land and being in tune with your environment. And that's African spirituality. So we don't call it those things, but we reinforce the practice of it. So that we stay connected to our heritage and culture. So I think the students, they'll they're grasping and buying into the concept, and I think this is something that as they get older and they pursue their studies, they'll be like, you know what, that's what I was doing the whole time, and that'll be an enlightenment or a light bulb or an idea for them. To something that will go off within them for them to continue the work.
0: Now, one thing that I, I I'm interested in a lot uh, with my own research even, is understanding how do we manifest the African diaspora through food? And it appears that that's what you're doing because I know you have guinea fowl on your farm. Uh, You have, like you said, other uh, vegetation that's indigenous to Africa. What is it about these crops that you chose and how did you go out picking these specific crops in in the guinea fowl? So what what we wanted
1: to do is we knew that... And let me back up. I I had a, a really... Uh, I was really fortunate to meet someone named Adrian Miller, and he's the food scholar. And he does a lot of work on food pathways and the legacy of, of food. And he brought up a point is that like we talk about all these different aspects of of our oppression here and, and, and then liberation. But the one thing that we're not talking about is food. And it's really interesting because a lot of the things that we eat that we think are African, it, especially within soul food Really aren't The preparation may be But well, even the preparation isn't Matter of fact But Just the Our relationship to the food Isn't The, the like Sweet potato pie And uh Banana pudding uh Pound cake These things aren't Af- These things aren't from Africa Like the, right. the, These things are European Um Just like fried chicken But
0: well, Collard greens co- are An uh, uh, English crop
1: Yeah co- Collard greens too So it's just more so of us just taking a step back to really focus on the food. Because we can talk about land, but you want land to produce food. Like, you're farming to produce food. So, me and Adrian Miller and, and one of my business partners, Devin McAllister, were talking about it, and we just think to look like this doesn't add up. And so, just us being able to take a step back and look at, all right, kale is indigenous to Africa, which I mm-hmm. didn't know. And uh Watermelon. Uh, cow peas, pearl millet, which is a cover crop, uh, Sudan grass, sorghum, which is a cover crop. All of these things can be traced back to our homeland. And if you trace to the history of the food, you find us growing it. And that's what we try, em, try to embody. Sustainable agriculture. That was birthed with George Washington Carver. Well, he made it. He put the science behind it. That was him. The whole CSA model. That was Booker T. Watley. Just putting food together at a specific price and growing it and getting out to people and packaging it Booker T. Booker T Wiley so just us just really focusing on the food you find us the whole way through in the, all, in the whole in the,
0: in the history of everything now the the males in your program they come from inner city Durham, correct? <laughs> yes, they do how are they how are they taking all of this in because I'm certain these are things that they're not learning in the classroom in the public school setting. How are they taking all of this in? And once they get through the, uh, the the programs at the farm, how do they feel after that? So it's like a it's
1: like continuous. So I, but I can tell it's a sense of like they have a it's, it's a reward in a sense. It's rewarding for them. And they're more engaged in it than I am at times because they literally know that they've been. A part of the process Like they were there When we broke ground Like two of the students Were there when we broke ground The other two came Two years later But These students Are as much A part of the Sankofa As I am And you can tell Like when they get When they get Recognized for things Or even when we're out working Where a lot of people Are just like I'm not getting up They're out there Slow Snow Rain Hot days They're all putting in work too And they're rediscovering Their history And who they are
0: Now you have bees On a farm Now Mm -hmm. I remember When you were talking About getting them Now you have you have your bee colony there. What is it about the, the honeybee and how does that coincide with what you're already doing at St. Cofield? So, the
1: honeybee, the oldest record or account that we have of honeybees is an ancient chemist in the hieroglyphic. And there's a book written on it. I'm not going to quote the book because so I, I haven't talked to the author yet. So, I don't want to put his work out there if we haven't like decided I can do that. Right. But, um, he me and him are scheduled to speak, but the honeybee can be traced back to Africa. So when we are working with the, bee, that's why we got them because well one part of the reason we got them, but just find out that we go back to Africa with the bees is like pretty it's pretty cool. So now we have uh 14 colonies, and the students are four of the, of the six students are certified beekeeper beekeepers, and our youngest certified beekeeper is actually 12, and one of our older students, Cameron. He was just named on the executive board of the Durham County Beekeepers Association. So, these things like their investment is paying off relatively quick because four years is pretty quick to get a return on anything that you do. Right. But the fact that it's catching on and now they're going from like farm management to scholars in STEM to doing well in school to not holding leadership positions, now we're able to visualize and see y'all. Oh, look, you on the you're on the E board for this, okay. That's leadership. You're showing signs that you have something that people want to see. So how does that look like if it's done specifically, specifically for your people in your community?
0: Now, another thing uh, with, with the farm, uh, you, have, you have these young males that are working and they're learning. Are you ever going to open it up to young females that come to the farm as well?
1: Yes, well, Just like I touched on earlier. Well, yes, we are. But just like I touched on earlier about how I named like, men. For um For like Leadership I haven't forgot about our, our Our women Because I really believe that That We have Like I would want to Work with the young women But I just think that There are things that As a man That I wouldn't understand And I think that's more so Up to like my wife Who has already expressed That she would like to start A program for young women To To take care And um To Introduce this group to the farm, so we've been talking about the idea and we're and we're drawing it out. I actually think, in my mind, the, the women. I tell the, the the young men this all the time. I think the young women are going to be better farmers than them. So when we when we get when we're able to see, I can't I can't wait. I can't wait.
0: Well, I I, I love the fish, uh, but I can I can tell you, my wife is a better fisher yeah. than I'll ever be. Yeah. Uh, she'll bring in twelve to my four yeah. at any time. Um, so. It's intriguing that this guy with no background in farming now is out here teaching, And, and, and but you're actually a trained teacher.
1: Yes, I am. I'm a, I'm a licensed teacher for agricultural education. And what I saw was that you don't have to have something down. You don't have to be an authority on something before you start getting information. So I like this really, really cool book. Um, it's called Stone Legacy by George G.M. James, and he touches on... Egyptian mystery system and he talks about how the the relationship of the pupil, the pupil, and the teacher and I just think that it's just my job to help guide the people to their life so I don't have to have everything drawn out and and it has to be exactly right that's a process that we can uh, we can take together and we can perfect it and have a solution because information changes all the time something that was right 20 years ago might not be right today right. and, and we we're seeing that it's not right so just being able to have the students in a student student-centered process that brings out something else in them
0: now uh, with the students that you do have i'm certain i've, I've seen pictures of them they look ecstatic about that but but now with, with <clears throat> excuse me with with the, with the getting popularity the farm I'm noticing that now they're riding with you to these different seminars and things like this. So now here you have these inner city kids that probably never thought outside of Durham. And now that they're learning about their cultural heritage and being able to talk about it in public forums, was this all part of what you expected or did this just all happen?
1: It is a part of what I expected because I'm, my approach was that if we give these young men The tools they need to uplift themselves and do for themselves, they're gonna do it. And we're seeing it. Honestly, I didn't know they would be this good. I didn't know that like all the things that we were doing was preparing them to be like this good at this early. So when I'm talking to other students, they're like, "How old are these students?" I'm like, "Oh, they're y'all's age." They're like, "Whoa!" They're like, "I thought they were in college." Like I thought because they they're hearing about them speaking. People are able to pull them on live, on um, radio interviews, and their students do very well. So it's just something about just having that skill set that nobody like nobody can take that away from them. They can be put in a different environment and they have the skills to build there. And that's what I really want them to have.
0: Now, do these males, uh, do the students at the farm, do they look at this supplemental, because I, I consider this to be a supplemental education because this is not something they're probably learning in a classroom, but how do they take this supplemental education and apply it to their everyday lives? So just being on the farm, you have to learn persistence. You have to learn how to be on time. You have to learn how
1: to be cautious around those around you. And when you get to school, that's literally what you have to do in school, too. And that's what you have to do at home. So we, we want them to have transferable life skills. So we teach them something on the farm. They can utilize it anywhere in their lives. So... We're we're starting to get better at the data collection. I know that they're doing better in school because I've seen the report cards, but just as far as collecting the data from a research perspective, quote-unquote, I just want to make sure that we can track their progress. So if someone else asks us, like on a larger platform, well, where are your measurables? We can give them, okay, look, so the student has been enrolled in our program. This this has been the trajectory.
0: Finally, when you think of your farm and, and what all it took to get it, the cultural heritage aspect of it and how you're preserving your African diaspora, what does that mean to Kamal Bell?
1: It, it means everything to me because I think about like the 40 acres in the mule where we're given land and then you have the land taken back from us. So I'm thinking in my mind, like my experience with the USDA where they originally denied us the loan that I... Can't complain and I can't use anything as an excuse. So, like, and that's the story of our people. That's our heritage that we never, like we never accepted oppression and bondage. We've always resisted,
0: and this is my form of resistance. Welcome all. Thank you for being a guest on Speaking Culturally, and uh, I thank you. And last but not least, Aggie Pride. Aggie Pride. <laughs>